You want to tell us how you were socially engineered because you were oh, in a shit. hurry? Yeah, man, I want to get you guys' advice. I'm really no. curious about that. Okay, please. It's Wednesday, February 6, 2013. This is episode number 41 of Yats. It's yet another tech show every week, Wednesday night, yet another tech show.com slash live. How's everybody doing tonight? I'm Matt Lee. We got Ant Pruitt. What's up, Ant? What's going on, everyone? We got Larry Press. How you doing, Larry? Howdy, man. We got Mike Rothman. What's up, Mike? Guys, I'm just good that good to be here. What can I say? And our special Yats friend we got, Chris Miller. What's up, Chris? Good evening, good evening. Good to have you, man. We always enjoy the shows you're on with us. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you've uh, recorded times I can, you know, show up once in a while. That's good. <laughs> uh, we want to mention at the top of the show, you guys should check out the Yats community. And while you're there, Ant wants you all to know about the smartphone photographer community. Not smartphone photography. This is about the photographer so That's right. uh, we host weekly hangouts through both of those, so you can uh, join them, but only if you're a part of the community. So make sure you got your Google Plus on and check that out. Ant, would you care to say a few words being the host of that show? You got to come in there and check it out. It's not what you think far as smartphone photographers go. It's not just a soccer mom shooting her, her son or daughter out on the soccer field. This is some people with some passion giving you some amazing photos from a phone. Very. We try to keep it to at least under three food shots a week. So you're very safe <laughs> if you're sick yeah, of this, that. This isn't your food porn. <laughs> yeah. I don't believe, being Google+, Plus, I don't believe it's any kind of porn. So it's a very <laughs> clean place. Come and share your smartphone photos uh, that you don't want deleted. And uh, you can learn all sorts of cool stuff. They, they, I like yeah. how some people in that community have actually been through like real photography. I almost yes. said photograph. A couple, couple <laughs> pros in there. Yeah. So they're applying these like real cool concepts to, you know, just taking out your smartphone and snapping pictures gives you much better pictures in the end. And you can see all of that stuff on that smartphone photographer community. So very cool show, Mr. Pruitt. Love it. Thank you. So, Mike, I noticed uh, we, we try and post articles throughout the week on the, the Yats uh, community there. Did you, you enjoyed the one about the, the little robot you can make. Did you make one yet? <laughs> no, it's my weekend project. I am so ready to make a little, little robot and then launch it in the neighborhood and freak out all my neighbors. Wait a minute. You launch it in robots? Yeah, yeah did you yeah. see I'm that story? Did you see that story in the community? <laughs> It's like I did not see that. the do-it-yourself. Yeah, tell them, Mike. One of them is like this little four-inch-long helicopter that weighs like uh, it has the weight of a sparrow. Oh, and, man. And it takes off. It carries a camera. You can remote control it. And just think of the mischief you could get into with this little puppy up in the air. That's kind of what we were saying when CES was happening and they were showing off the smartphone quadricopters and things and the new one had the, the camera like, what would you do if you opened your, your blinds and that thing was just there like hovering oh, like that movie man. Batteries Not Included? It's one of those things, but not this alien. Is ev this is every woman's worst nightmare. nightmare. <laughs> and, and it probably ought to be every man's worst nightmare too. I mean, it's, it's, it's spy technology run amok and the thing is, these things, if not now, these things are going to be affordable down at your local radio show. Right. Anybody's going to be able to get them. Yeah. Mike, have you had hands-on with one or just read about it? No, let's see where this article... Matt, it's really the article it was something you found uh, from, uh, uh, from Instructables.com. Create an internet-controlled robot using live bots. 
Yeah, live bots. I want to see these used in Ingress. I want to see people taking advantage of these drones somehow (laughs) to, uh, yeah, you know, Uh like blast a little EMP so you can't use your phone, so you can't play for a minute while I'm out there hacking your portals. That would be awesome. Or drop egg, or drop eggs on them, or something like yeah, that. Yeah, you know, yeah. something, just maybe a little black hole, you know, something. That'd be hey, fantastic. Hey, Matt, Matt I, find, I did what you asked. I told my students, have they ever done Ingress? Ah, out yes. Over 30, out over 30 students, one had heard of Ingress, but he'd never done it because he's got an iPhone. Oh, so he he's oh, that oh, one kid. Definitely the lunatic fringe. He's that one kid in that <laughs> picture really that that we saw in the Ingress group. There, it's like, what are you doing? Playing Ingress? Oh, or texting? Oh no, wait, it's an iPhone. <laughs> That's cool. Larry, you're just now figuring out that we're in the lunatic fringe. <laughs> what did your students? I, I'm curious about the reaction when you were like, "Hey, like, were they blown away that you had heard of Ingress before they had, or was it was it awkward? Like, how did that go down?" Nothing's ever awkward, man. No, I just teased them. Like, hey, and these I guys I do a show on the internet with want to know about <laughs> you guys. I told them the whole reason I was asking, and uh, what can I tell you? That's They've pretty got cool. Other things to do. They were just all quiet. They were like, "Huh?" That's yeah. weird because it was a three-part poll. I thought first was, "Have you ever heard of it?" And <laughs> the second was going to be, "Have you signed up for the beta?" And the third was going to be, "Have you ever played it?" But we didn't have to go to the second two questions. <laughs> Only one had ever heard of it. You, you, you know, part of that, there might. There we go. Classing there, it up. There, there might have been a predecessor question, which is, um, how many of you use Android? Because this is only av- available right on Android. Yeah, good point. Actually, good point. Now you have I to go back and repull them. Most of them have Android phones. Hmm. Uh, uh, uh. Most of them have Android phones. They all have some kind of smartphone. And uh, more Androids than, than iOSs. Well, you know, I can understand it. They're too busy playing World of Warcraft. Cool. <laughs> well, and it's interesting if you go to the Ingress Intel map, if you're actually playing in the game, like it, the college here at least, there's like war going on there. You know, wow. it's like blue portals and green portals. And I mean, it's pretty crazy. So I, I would think college places would have that concentration of them, but it is still closed beta. So who knows? Yeah, but they never even heard of it. The, the word hasn't gotten out beyond some certain community, I guess. I mean, Whatever. Anyhow, that's the so. Did you guys? Did you guys? From the real world. Did you guys hear Apple announce its twenty fifth billionth, twenty fifth billionth song downloaded from iTunes? The store there. That's a lot. Twenty five billion. And 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 what did Mister Twenty Five Billion get for his yeah, trouble? Really. A terrible song from a someone I've never even heard of. I don't know. <laughs> Probably not much. A guy named a guy named Philip. Lukey from Germany, and he he receives ten thousand pounds on an iTunes gift card. Wow! uh, So that should be more than enough to uh, keep him in iTunes for a while. Wow! He ain't going nowhere. (laughs) Let's see that ten thousand. That's like twelve thousand dollars or something. No, that's way more than that. It's like like twenty three thousand dollars, dude. (laughs) It's ten thousand euros. That's oh, still okay. like sixteen thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah, it's up there. Okay. One point insane. Now, see, it, it, it's iTunes. They're like a clinic when it comes to that stuff, though, right? For us downloading music, I'm not necessarily saying their app is all that on the PC no, side. No, there were some but, pretty impressive numbers, though. Like daily, I, I forget what the exact numbers were, but it, it they do a lot of business there. Yeah, you got to give them their props there. I mean, even if they're um, starting to get more and more uh, video content, too, people are buying that. Yeah, and I mean, the songs, obviously, you're going to hit that number a lot quicker just because people, you don't download, like, a couple songs here and there. You're downloading whole albums, so with movies and TV shows, I mean, unless you're getting, like, full seasons of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And speaking of, have any of you guys caught House of Cards yet on Netflix? That Absolutely. I've, have you watched I, it? Okay, I started watching it last night, and wow, not bad for a, a Netflix studio show, their first one ever. Chris, what do you think? You're shaking your head. You don't like Kevin Spacey or political dramas or what? 
I love Kevin Spacey, but I'm pulling it up now. I was breaking out Netflix on the iPad while we were sitting here. Just, you know. Have you so watched could, watched it all yet? I watched their trailer, and that's all oh, I've okay. done so far. Okay. I watched two episodes. I'm five in. What do you think, Larry? Five in. All right. I watched two episodes, and um, I love the idea. I hope that Netflix makes a ton of money, and they start, you know, it's just yet another thing to route around Hollywood and, and the cable guys. But I did not much like the program. I, you know, I did a blog post comparing. Just think of The Sopranos, Tony Soprano. Okay. You know, a very multidimensional character. This the guy in the um, what's Frank Underwood in in the political thing. Francis. So everybody is so one dimensional. I mean, it's just like, oh, I'm the always I'm the only cynical, uh, constantly cynical politician. Oh, I'm the hip young reporter from the Washington Post that knows that blogs are where it's at and print journalism's dead. But you're two episodes in. Hold on. In The Sopranos, how many episodes did it take for you to get the well-rounded Tony Soprano character? Like, I mean, come right on. Away. Was it t- uh, really? Yeah, I, I disagree. So. Look, but... man, Tony, Tony, he's this evil, murderous bastard. He kills people with his bare hands, right? But... He loves his family. He's loyal to his gang. He worries about his kids. He's a, I really like old Tony. It's a typical, I don't know, maybe. maybe It's a typical married with children story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when, uh, I, would like, I would like to point out I'm spending more time watching the ad for Trader Joe's every time he talks in the corner. Because all I see is the bag that says Trader Joe's behind his head. What I'm are not. you talking about? On the Sopranos? What? No! Right there on the camera. Every time he talks, I see Trader Joe's hanging on his glass door. Every time. Oh. Looking <laughs> he likes to slip yeah. that kind yeah. of stuff in. He gets free uh, Entenmann's cinnamon cake yeah. or something. Yeah, not right. a sponsor, yeah. Larry. Not a sponsor. If he uh, gets some of those, you get some of those yummy like uh, chocolate-covered almonds with sea salt, I'm in. But I, every time you come on, I was like, I'm just staring. I'm looking at Trader Joe's. Every time like, Man, I wish I had Trader Joe's up here. Like a squirrel. I was distracted. I saw a squirrel. I'm sorry. Okay. In, in half an hour, I'd bring up my Apple computer so you can see the little logo. <laughs> Which I did notice in episode three, I think, one of the, the interns that was helping write their new uh, education bill, they flapped open the MacBook and it was just Apple yeah, logos. I, I it's like, that. well placed. Nice, guys. No, you know, I, t- to be fair, I did a post sort of saying what I just said, and some people commented. They said, "Oh, you gotta wait a few more episodes. The acting and the script gets better." Honestly, I was hooked the the very first scene where he put that dog out of its misery after the hit and run. Like yeah. I'm in. I was in. Now, what do you think about the whole process releasing it in one season rather than episodic, uh, week by week content, and not sticking to? I noticed that some of the episodes were different lengths. Not all of them were thirty minutes or sixty minutes. They were varied. So do you, do you guys think this is going to be the new a new thing for for this format? I'll jump on that one because I, I can tell you I one love that they released it all at once. I can watch when I want. Two, the difference in format tells me they're writing a particular story and they're not writing for a time slot. So they're writing to say, I want to tell this piece of the story however long it takes and give it to the users instead of, oh, I've got to fit something in 30 minutes. So it's either going to be extra crap I don't want or it's going to be really good and we got to cut out a bunch because I need to fit it in you know, 30 minutes, but I really need 42. I like that they vary the time. I don't think it should matter with streaming video. Yeah, it's, it's definitely... And, if, go ahead, if It's all the episodes at once. I mean, you can watch for as many hours as you feel like. Right. And I, and I love the model. You know, cut out the middleman, let, yeah. let Net, Netflix produce it. I'll buy it if I want to buy it, or I'll subscribe to their service if it's good content. And screw HBO, Showtime, and the rest of them. And it, it does kind of checking this out. It, it tailors the writing more to the audience because they're not, like you said, they're not dealing with an HBO, with an in between, or a, a cable carrier or anything like that. They're, I mean, as long as you have internet, which obviously some of us still deal with our, our cable carriers for, but they're not having to worry about writing for the advertising or anything like that. Like they can do what they want. And I think that's huge. And that's going to open it up to a bunch of other writers that are so sick of that old model of having to cater to the ads or cater to the time or cater to the weekly episodic content, you know, release. I think, I think it's going to go in a really cool direction. And the more the the thing, it has really high production values. And I, I read somewhere that it costs like a hundred million bucks or something. 
So it's it's got to bring in some money or it won't. Yeah, and I, I posted on Facebook through the Mizo uh, TV app to kind of keep track of everything I watch and stuff. And one of my uh, Facebook friends mentioned that they thought it was like the West Wing, but with balls. Like, you know, they can say whatever they want, but it's still that kind of political type drama. And if you guys don't know, it's based, I mean, there was a UK version, I think, that came out a while ago. So it's kind of like that, but rather than their version of, of Parliament and everything, it's, it's our Congress and, and whatnot. But pretty interesting like i don't even like those kinds of shows but like the southern that's what scares me is it you guys are a lot smarter than i am so you you can appreciate that type of entertainment i'm used to a guy sitting on a couch with his hands in his pants and a tv remote al bundy you know says says the man sitting there next to the couch with the tv remote on the couch behind him with his hands where's your hand man (laughs) (laughs) hands up guys come on all right Give me a minute to show you show you my hands. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, fun! No, but I'm going to give it a try just because of the buzz around it, you know. But I, I, far as the the storyline, I don't know if I'd be interested in it just because I I don't care about all of the political. When for their first shot, I mean, what's what's uh what's to say that they couldn't just bring back Firefly or Serenity and and let that guy do what he wanted. I know that's like every nerd's like, Oh, please Netflix, please do that next after arrested development, you know, but I mean the production value, they could do any, they could do anything like that. They wanted at this point. And if I was, have others in the, in the works, you know, uh, I, I'm not sure. I don't know if this succeeds, they're talking about doing other series and other bringing in other channel partners. If this succeeds. So if you guys, let me ask you this, if you're HBO, if you're Showtime, if you're stars, AMC, anything like that, is this intriguing to you? Are you afraid of this being successful? Like what, what's going through your mind right now? I would assume that they're afraid because doesn't stars well didn't stars at one time have a contract with Netflix for exclusive content? Was it stars? Yeah, that was a while ago, I thought. That was the very beginning and it fell apart after what a year and a half or so. And then people complained because their their content started disappearing. But what it what if you're like an AMC that makes their own? Like would it be in their best interest to say we're going to start making The Walking Dead or Breaking Bad or something like that for Netflix and see how this works out? Or can you do both if you're AMC because you own the, the channel and you own the, the studio that does it? Yeah. My, my guess is they've got contracts with Comcast and people like that that prohibit them from doing that. That's the big problem. That's why they have their own apps. They have huge deals with the cable companies for the content. It's the biggest thing. Yeah. It's delivering that. That's where they get they get a ton of money from that. So yep. there's got to be a, hopefully it'll end up where you're saying, but there's got to be some transition to it. And I don't understand how it works. Mercy. Well, Chris, you were saying you um. Well, we're going to move along a little bit. You said you want to share some some information from your public. Yeah. Well, that was okay. So it's to. like a PSA. I want to put up there just real so everyone knows it was. Um, I went to a presentation tonight. It's just a cool thing for everybody since we're a tech show, but. The actual foundation founder, uh, Tina Myers, got up and talked about cyberbullying. She runs the Megan Meyer Foundation. The young girl did years ago, as we know, yep. the suicide due to cyberbullying. Well, she actually did a presentation night. So they're trying to eventually start a day, of course, that would be around you know, awareness around cyberbullying. So she did right. a really presentation night just talking about what the foundation does and how they're doing a lot of free uh, materials on their sites about training kids and parents both and what cyberbullying is and how to protect your, you know, more of your identity and stuff like that. So that was a cool public service thing. It was really nice. She did a good job. And does Very that cool. make, does that make an easy crossover into the second point of uh, the new smartphone launching? They teach kids how yeah. to be smart with their smartphones and everything too, or no, those are just two different things, man. Those are two different things. Well, it's still, it's, I mean, again, I'm, I'm ignorant on it all, but it still boggles my mind that there's such a thing as cyberbullying. You know, it, it's I, I look at I'm looking at you guys right here on the screen. And, and fortunately, I know you all, you all fairly well. But if I switch over to my Google Plus stream and someone can just go on and on and on about Aunt Pruitt and what they think of Aunt Pruitt, what they don't like of Aunt Pruitt and, and just but is really, it, it really kinda, give me the business. <clears throat> and then all I can think of is, you know what, you're on the other side of the firewall, bro. You know, <laughs> come over here and, and say this to me, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's, but again, that's just me. But apparently, I mean, 
cyberbullying is serious business, you know. But that's the whole thing, isn't it? I mean, you, if you make yourself a target, I'm not saying it's it's any it's the the person who's getting bullied, it's their fault, but it's what happens on the internet when a target is presented and you have anonymity to hide behind. People just, you know, all no one cares anymore. They just say whatever. I mean, if you watch that We Are Legion documentary and they, the yeah. kids talking about how Anonymous started, it's like if if every everybody that posts under that anonymous name like was just this one beast of a person, like this is what anonymity on the internet gives you, which is what you saw in YouTube comments, which is why they're, I mean, it's not the only reason, but it's one of the reasons why they want you to attach your real name to your it. Your real name. If you mm-hmm. hide behind, like you said, the great firewall here, you can say anything to anybody all day, but until it comes down to there being some sort of consequence for those actions or those words or anything, you know, it, no one cares. And it's good that there's groups like this that are starting to show that, hey, there are severe consequences for some of these actions. Yeah, and they're also breaking into privacy a lot more, too. So they're talking. Right. One of the things she said that surprised me is we all knew about chat roulette. Uh, and we know about some of the new video stuff, even Twitter doing with Vine. But there's yep. three or four new apps that are live, no authentication needed. You can watch live stream videos of people that are just brought, like Google Hangouts. But she said she was shocked at the amount of kids on there. Look at this. Here's where I live. Look at our cars. Look at our house. And they were just broadcasting all about their personal information. And it was kind of an eye opener. There's a couple I hadn't even heard of yet that were brand new video uh, streaming startups that a lot of the kids are lashing on to. Now, is that, smartphones. is that parents' fault for not knowing better enough to educate their kids? Or is that the, like, who's, who's getting the finger pointed at them the most? It's not the platforms, is it? No, it's not the platforms because they're just providing a service with no filtering or moderation. Right. Yeah. But it's the, you know, every kid has a phone. They have internet at home. They have their laptops. They have their iPads with, uh, you know, cameras now. It's right. Just, but like Ant said, he's the one at the end of the day paying the bill for all that stuff as the parent. So the, the responsibility kind of lies on you to, you know, govern how your kids are using the stuff you're getting for them. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's all true, line. man. But I, I do think it's it's like a, a, a new world out there. And parents aren't going to be with their kids 24 by 7. At, you, you know, at a certain point as the kids... God, around. I don't want to be. No, of course not. <laughs> and, and and you get some of these... Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it it's just... Uh, it's like a kids, new latchkey generation. Kids it's have a, always bullied each other. Right. Yeah. I mean, that has yeah. always happened. That's the thing. But but the social media aspect takes it to a whole new level. I mean, now you've got now you're bullying with this enormous megaphone that amplifies everything you say. And, well, and it's not you know, first person bullying. Like when the, when you would first person bully somebody, there were consequences. You would get in a fight, and one of you would get your butt kicked. You know, when you're when you're a third person bullying via Facebook, Twitter, or any kind of internet service, there is you're not right there. There's no immediate consequence to what you're doing. So you can you know, even even worse, it can get kind of viral and like the whole school can gang up. Right, exactly. And that's yeah. no good. So it's really good. So they're doing the awareness thing. It's the Megan Meyer Foundation. Uh, a lot of people know the news story if you don't go back and look. But I just like that she's, you know, it's a yeah. lot of her free time just goes to running this foundation it's a full-time gig now apparently they have offices and everything so it's a big deal okay well speaking of cyber bullying the most cyber bullied company rim is releasing <laughs> new device is this better is that better all right so you had that these was de- that was a segue right there that was a segue, segue of the night. Now, outstanding man. chris you've had these <laughs> devices in your hands you got to play with them Yes, is I did. the screen on the one without the keyboard? What's that called? The Z? Is it as That's, pretty as the pixel density says it is? Yes, it is. It's a beautiful thing. So the two-second highlight. Why is it? Why would anyone care? Um, I can tell you. Real easy. One. It's got the same. It's got the same camera. It's got the eight megapixel. It's all touch. The usability features they do blows the iPhone away, hands down. Uh, the multitasking, all the other stuff. And the separation of business and personal on the device and the ease in which you can switch between the two was was ridiculous. No, forget, no, this is balanced to the next level. You're talking the old balance of a data isolation. This is an actual interaction on the phone. You pull down business mode, different apps, lockdown policies from your company, 
uh, different data. You can't copy and paste between the personal and business. I pulled out again, personal. There's no like login, log out. It's just there. You swap, you go back and forth. The other part is the multitasking. You'll never see it on iOS in the next, in the current phones. Video playing, you, what do you have to do? Double tap the home button, right? Leave, go out, do whatever. There is no home button. I just slide up. Oh, where's my camera? Here it is. I slide up and over with my thumb. Video is still playing. I get my hub that shows all my current incoming stream, my mail messages, my text messages, my whatever I want, or I can leave the video playing and do other activities. Um, and texting is like, uh, for those with SwiftKey on Android, like me, I'm a lover of SwiftKey. Yeah, I love SwiftKey. This takes it to the next level again. Two languages at once, just like SwiftKey does now. But while you're typing with your thumb, you just throw the words up onto the screen. The and flick you know, was pretty neat. Nice. The flick was pretty neat. Flick was cool. So this is going yeah. back to what we talked about last episode with it being all built on the QNX uh, OS and that Correct. allowing this really smooth transition or multi- true multitasking that you're yeah. not even getting out of these quad core phones that are running Android. Like even even that is still a little glitchy, you know. So it, it, this real time OS seems like it's got at least that going for it on top of all the enterprise stuff you're saying on top of a gorgeous screen. That's that's really yeah. cool, man. They might do it then it sounds we had, like well for businesses though, think about it this way. Forget for look at BYOD, right? Bring your own device to work. I want to control, and you can do it two ways. I can use the public server to still connect to the mail system. Not as controlled, not as encrypted. It'll still be there. I could use the biz type, you know, active sync. The moment a company says, I want to isolate control and be able to control that corporate part, push you apps, I can even give you a different app world experience. So app world, as you know, is open. Now enterprises can control what apps you see in app world so they can <laughs> certain apps. But the cool part is, is I can say, I'm going to policy control, lock that part of your phone when you leave. I can wipe that part. Everything else is still yours. I'm not going to touch your data, your personal pictures, any of that go away, but I'm going to make sure anytime you talk to me, that's an encrypted 120 bit, you know, RC2 encryption. It's done. So, Oh, and they added one more thing. I got to, so you're doing uh, the BBM. They added voice in the current one, right? So this one has voice over BBM in the next one. It had uh, video. So you could do like FaceTime. Here's the catch in the middle of it. Not only are we looking at each other, I go, oh, yeah, here, look at my screen on my phone and let me share what's on my phone to your phone. So you're doing screen sharing phone to phone, pictures, spreadsheets, business stuff. So you can actually do that. And that's policy controlled by the company, too. Did I'll you get to play around with that screen share? Yeah, well, the screen share was on the Wi-Fi there. Uh, the only thing we couldn't play around with on the device was actual phone calls because, one, we were in a convention center. And two, they had yep. it on the Wi-Fi only. It's very right. stuff. <clears throat> It was rocking. The video's up, so everyone should know it's BlackBerry Today, episode 21, and we do 20 minutes of hands-on rim, and here's what they did. They did not show us all the features. He said, let me show you two things. One, where you see the business personal, so we knew how to find it, which is at the top. It was so silly. He's like, just swipe down. We're like, we could have figured that out. And uh, two, he wanted to show us about, um, oh, the security of the app, showing us different app worlds, and he said, here, go play with it all you want. Do what you want to do, and that's how we filmed the episode. Well, Chris, let me ask you something about this thing, because at one time, it seemed like BlackBerry was big on having a universal inbox. Are they pretty much bringing that back now and giving it more of a glorified look and feel? They're calling it the hub. So that was the other cool part is inside the stream, you can separate it. You don't have to do it. Native to the the device, it has the native Facebook, native Twitter stuff. But in the stream, you're doing – friend stuff or status updates or whatever natively in one stream. You don't have to switch between apps to do it anymore. So that unified inbox you're talking about isn't just mail. It's also the other pieces. So what did he do? Go get a beer or something? So it's the other pieces. (laughs) So, hey, Ant, do you remember on the original Droid X on the Moto Blur where it came with that that message app and that was all your... Do you remember how terribly laggy it was because of all that info? So on this... QNX, like, does that handle that stuff a lot better also, or is it just good for multitasking? No, it was it was streaming in that base. So the mail has always been mail. That's their strong point. So the email's always flowing fast. Now they've built in these native apps built upon it that you can see inside the stream. Um, and there's also more apps that come now. Uh, Kindle has a reader for it. Skype was on the device. So they've stepped up the game big time. Big time. It's going to be a toss-up between them and Microsoft to whoever gets the most apps out there. Do you think this doesn't come close to the Windows phones or that uh, the other way it's around? Going to, Windows phone is going to get spanked in the enterprise right. with, with this, with that. in the enterprise. Um, 
you know, the general population think their overseas usage of BlackBerry is enormous. People think just because we think America. Overseas, some places, mainly like some of the Caribbean areas, they only sell Blackberries. Everybody yeah. has a Blackberry. And we sit here going, oh, I have an iPhone. They don't have iPhones. They're huge in other countries. India, yeah. those other ones have just huge Blackberry installations. And they also get hit pretty hard when their little servers go down because have they done anything to reinforce some of that so that when one doesn't go down, everything's kind of effed or? Well, they did a bad, that was a bad push back then. And keep this in mind though, the difference is your personal mode will still work if that rim network ever died for business. Right. You're just not getting your business. And that was a bad push on their part. What was it? A fix pack they pushed out wrong or something he did on the biz. I mean, on the Bez network. Bez. That just, that screwed him big right at the wrong time. But that's one of the only massive failures like that since I've been carrying Blackberries for the past eight, ten years. So, but the QNX is totally different. It's based a lot like the playbook. That multitasking is a lot like the playbook. So you think this is really going to pull I in think, more to enterprise again and get them back on that BES server when well, some well, people okay. were dumping the BES server because of the cost? And well, here's that. another problem, and all the companies are fighting for this, and I'll tell you right now, it's a big problem. Uh, MDM, right? Mobile device management is a big deal. How do I control all these BYODs? How do I control the iPhone, the Android, the, where is it? You know, I've got people using iPhone touches on my network. I've got Blackberries. They make mobile fusion, which will control all the platforms, but they also have the Bez and they also have the separation inside the data stream. None of the other mobile MDMs right now do that. Um, some of them are shooting for the type of stuff like that, but none of them provide that type of feature set yet all the way across the board. You're not going to get end-to-end encrypted traffic and messaging across the other ones just for the business side and let the users still be on the public internet. Right. You're starting to see apps, but it's not separated like that. Correct. Like I can send secure text messages, but I can't make secure phone calls or I can send secure phone calls if I'm using this app and you're using this app and we connect and all that. Like it's not as seamless as, but now the other question is, is Is that enterprise going to be just by itself enough to really bring them back from from where they're at? Here's the downside. So the downside is right now people are on their way out, right? That you see it. They're, oh, we're, you know, a major shift over to Android, a major shift over to iPhones. The people that have Bez now and the ones that are looking for the platform are the ones that they're going to go after heavy, in my opinion, is because... They've got a selling point that the other ones can't touch for new installations. And then anyone looking to get rid of Bez needs to go... We may not want to get rid of Bez. We need to look at these, you know, Z10 devices. Very cool. Chris, you're, you're talking about how they've got a lot of users in, in uh, other oh. nations. But you're, it's, it's pretty much enterprise. Like, it seems like Microsoft uh, with Nokia and now Huawei is into it. It's really going after the developing nations, not so much the enterprises, but... Right. The people in the developing nations. Well, it's not just the enterprise in those countries. A lot of it's the users. Uh, BBM over in Europe and UK and stuff is huge with teenagers. They've, you know, now FaceTime is big on some of those, but the BBM is huge too because it's always been there. It's, it's yeah, no. no, you were talking about India. I was, I was thinking of oh, Africa, for example. Microsoft just announced the big Africa uh, yep. push. And I will. Nokia is really big in, you know, in those nations. Well, Nokia is you know, now moving to the Windows platform. I can tell you this. When I was in South Africa for three weeks, there was three of us. Uh, two iPhones and the BlackBerry. The only device that worked everywhere we went, always had 3G, was the BlackBerry. It worked everywhere we went, all the way across, all the way from Durban up through the edge near Botswana. It worked everywhere we went. It was amazing. They had a good built-out network for those devices. And all the posters had Blackberries for the consumers. You'd drive around the billboards and be like, get a Blackberry for you know, this many Rand with this much service down there. We're like, it's Blackberry everywhere. You try to buy an iPhone, it was costing serious money. Right. Microsoft and, and Nokia and Huawei, they're, they're sort of talking 100, 150 bucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were getting cheap. Uh, so picture a Blackberry market. curve. Picture an old Blackberry curve. Not the newest models, not the 9930s, but the older ones. They were selling those for, you know, 39, 29 with service. It was cheap. Yeah, and that's the thing. You can get cheap Android phones out there, but are they going to even work as well as these cheaper, you know, Blackberries that everyone's already using? Right. It's legacy. All right, uh, let's talk about the Larry, you had... <laughs> There's been a lot of hacking stuff in the oh, news. Shit. I mean, we talked about China hitting the New York Times a couple weeks ago, Wall Street Journal... Uh, just recently, what the Federal Reserve got hit, and anonymous Washington Post, Reuters—they—they've just 
and the, this is uh, something if you acts of news outlets have really uh, come out in the open. Right, and if you keep track of security, like sites like that get hit daily. This is nothing new. It's when they get hit and they lose their customers' information that maybe they need to mention that to at least their customers, you know, maybe. Um, but so you had a run-in. You want to tell us how you were socially engineered because you were oh, in a shit. hurry? Yeah, man, I want to get you guys' advice. I'm really now, curious about that. Okay, um, background. My back has come unhinged, so my my back hurts. I was super busy. It was kind of, uh, I had to run off to class. I was in a big hurry, and twice during the day I got blue screen in death. I haven't seen that ever on this machine. Uh, you don't see those so much anymore. You need and new anyhow, RAM. So I went online, uh, and I, I I just can't tell you. I was all frazzled at how stupid I was. I thought I was talking to Dell. I wasn't talking to Dell. I gave a guy control of my machine, and then I kind of looked and, whoa, this guy's doing DIR slash S. What the fuck's that all about? Oh, no. <laughs> So, sorry. hold on. How did we get... Hold on, Larry. How did we get from you browsing for some BSOD help to some guy in no, India no, connecting I, to I your... I typed co- in Dell support, and Google's little auto-correction thing pops up, up and I clicked on it. Stupid. But anyhow, I, I, without going there, um, it's done. And uh, so, where's the part where you got socially engineered? You socially engineered yourself because you were stressed and you yeah, were in a hurry. And these guys came on like they were Dell service, and I went for it. But did they call you? That's what I'm asking. Was it a phone oh, call? I, I, it I was a chat. Okay. Yeah. In a browser window. Okay, so you yeah, somehow yeah. found your way to this random chat window online somewhere, and you, they were like, hey, we're going to fix your computer. Give us access, and you're like, we're okay. Down, uh, yeah, anyhow, I did it. Okay. It's I feel for you, man. I started to say it's the dumbest thing I ever did. But I'm sorry, it's, it's not from, funny. It was right up there. But anyhow, it was done. And, uh, are they watching the show right now through your yeah, computer? So. They are. <laughs> okay. It's not this machine. Okay, that machine hasn't been back online since. Uh, <laughs> so, so, they, so they formatted your hard drive. No, no, they did. No, they, let me tell you what what's happened subsequently. One is I took uh, was it Microsoft Security Essentials, and I ran their uh, the SRT know, scan, scan everything scan took three hours or something like that. And it found nothing. Uh, so all the that files, right too. At, whatever it could see. Well, okay. Can I tell you what probably happened? Whatever you clicked on was some sort of Java exploit, and that got some code run. And so that's not going to show up because there wasn't necessarily a virus or a payload or malware on there. They may not have gotten to that point. So just just access and them sniffing around your computer could easily be done without any of these tools like letting you know that like yo you have this back door that's just gaping here like we need to close things up here that's yeah okay that's one thing and the other thing that crosses my mind yeah i really want to hear from you guys uh suggestions but the other thing is that is there a place to report things like this like these I keep trying to talk dirty. But these guys really need to be outed. Uh, somebody either legally needs to go after them, or better yet, some kind of vengeance squad needs to go after them. Well, there actually is what you need to do. where people post these kind of incidents? and We need the Avengers. Them. You need I'm to sorry? give them your email address so that they can send you an email, and then you can click that little report phishing link. That's There you go. Or the Better Business Bureau. I honestly have no idea. Yeah, there should be a, a place because uh, anonymous. You could post it on well, Reddit. I think anonymous. Should, <laughs> I, I mean, anonymous got nothing else. Post to it do. on 4chan. Yeah, see what happens. Got, you never see, know. Seriously. Um, anyhow, that was the two things I have in mind. Is there any place to to report this? And secondly, um, what should I do before I put my machine back on the line? You should on probably the- send that machine over here and let us fix it. <laughs> <laughs> and before you put it online or get somebody to like really probably wipe that drive something proper. 
And then uh, I don't know about the reporting. I mean, as far as like if you get phishing emails, if you get scam emails, you report spam, you move on because there are a dime a dozen. When it happens on Twitter, you can report it to Twitter. Like it depends on the platform it happened on. But as far as just a random like I type something in the Omni box and click the first link I got and they broke my machine. I, I don't know. I mean, Dell, maybe if they're impersonating Dell, I would start there. Because that in it, that's not in Dell's best interest, obviously. Yeah, I mean, they may have some type of security channel that they report. Right, to. exactly. So that that might be. I would start with whoever they were claiming to be from, because that hurts that person's business. And they, Michael Dell, just having bought back his business, might be you know a little uh, curious about things like that. They when they were done with him, they went. That was a wrap. They took over the machine. That's what yep. they did. <laughs> Credit card info, check. Username, passwords, check. SAM file, check. We're good to go. Yeah. Let's get. That's a wrap. Let's clear out. <laughs> we got it all. Clear out. Everybody out. Oh, man. <laughs> hey, Larry, I, th- I think, you know, one thing you could do is is uh, write, uh, who is it, Matt Cutts at, at Google, who is the guy that leads the team that, but he's on spam. spam, though. This wasn't really spam. Was no, it? I get that. I get that. But it's you know, it's a search misdirect. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I bet they fraudulent have... search results being returned, or people gaming the system and getting their results exactly. up there. But that's yeah, not affecting that's Google. You want to you want to be into contact with whoever it's really going to affect in the long run because they're going to be the ones motivated enough to actually do something about it, if at all. But it seems like this Google's is a, not going to give there's a, a place in the world yeah. for a, a place to. There needs to be one place uh, for all this kind of crap. The EFF should start a branch. Somebody way more violent. What, I got Chris? a strange feel that Larry just cyber bullied himself. <laughs> be careful what you type in the search box and if you're on certain versions of snow leopard don't send yourself messages with the word file colon slash slash slash, slash, slash. <laughs> capital f file did you guys hear about that have, has anybody messed with that have you sent your my, a couple of my circles have played around with it and talked about it crashing chrome and other stuff did it, it um but like you said, it was only for Snow Leopard. Right. And it's it's what it is is in the spell check from what I read about it is that as soon as the spell check runs and hits that capital F, I, like it just crashes. If it's a lowercase f, it's fine. Right. So weird little bug. I just thought that was kind of interesting. You can just send your friends like messages all day long and just crash there. It was like back in Windows 98 when you open Window R, the run, and type slash con slash con, and it would just blue screen. anyway good times good times so uh did you want to talk about the new possible i know we don't really do rumors much on this show but there was a cool commercial about this new chromebook a high-end model with a pretty screen called the pixel uh i didn't read much on that but Chris Miller doesn't care. It It just has a a prettier (laughs) screen. You know, it it gives it a retina-ish screen for OS. It's 2560 by 1700 for a total of 4,352,000 pixels per display. That's beautiful. So you got this amazing screen for an OS that most folks aren't familiar with. (laughs) On the Chrome OS. And it's something that none of us can even virtually see, right? What's that? Yeah, it's hard to see through the commercial. Like, you don't know. I mean, they show this... It's a touch screen, and they show this jellyfish. If you if you want to watch the the actual commercial, and it shows the kid like tapping the jellyfish and turning it different colors, and then dragging the jellyfish, and it looks really cool. Obviously, the commercial being a demo, it's just a video. But you know, if it does half of this stuff and is is working, I mean, why are you putting this for a browser? Like you're basically giving your web browser. HD. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I mean, that doesn't seem to click yeah. for me for some reason, if I think of it that way. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm interested in the Chromebook, but I'm of a different type of consumer. Right. Know? And what's the uh, price point going to be? I think that, I mean, if they're up there around five, 600 bucks, why am I just getting a tablet? You know, why am I even bothering with this thing? Why get a tablet for that? Why not get it? A laptop. Or a laptop. And, I mean, they're they're billing the whole, like, it's the OS that gets better with age because we're constantly updating it. And that, that whole thing is cool. Like, I know a lot of people up here that 
have laptops and all they do is check email, play games, this and that on it. I would love to replace that with a Chromebook and never have to worry about viruses but or any of that stuff again, you know. All right. Yeah, but there are there are really good Chromebooks available for $250, $300. Sure. I, I mean, it's sort of an attractive price point when you think about all of the functionality that is resident in Chrome. Now, mind you, I'm a Chrome user and I use Google Docs. And I use Gmail, so I'm right in their sweet spot. Right. If you live right. in the ecosystem, that's that's for you. And this isn't like a cheap one. I mean, this is going to be metal-bodied and, you know, like yeah. built really well. It, it's the higher-end Chromebook is what they're trying to, to sell but, it as. For me, this is more a competitor to, to a tablet than a laptop. Because I of would, the touchscreen? Depending on the price, I'd rather have that thing than a tablet because of the keyboard. But you would yeah. rather say Chrome OS over Android? You seem kind of limiting uh, yourself I, I in of that. Mike's talking about, you know, it depends. Okay, I don't know what. Again, let's go toward the future uh, when apps start getting better and better and better, and uh, connectivity gets faster and faster and faster. Yeah, maybe so. Well, some of us have to live in the now where the connectivity is spotty and it sucks at best, <laughs> and <laughs> the hardware is okay. Yeah. But yeah, eventually, I mean, we'll all yeah. be living in the cloud full-time because connectivity will be ubiquitous and this and that. And eventually, we'll all get along and live happily ever after, right? Right. right. <laughs> eventually. Yeah, not going to hold my breath. Eventually. <laughs> uh, oh, well. Good idea, though. I think they definitely need to fill out their, like, here's our low-end one, and here's, oh, another low-end one, and here's our other low-end one. Like, it's good to see somebody making something better that's, I don't know. I would rather see it run Android, but that's me. Again, I I don't have a problem with it, and I I could see a select few of my family members using this thing, but I just don't see it for the masses just yet. You know, it's not a bad product. It's just I don't think the masses are ready for it just yet. Even though all they're doing is checking their social media and email, it's just that comfort zone. <clears throat> Excuse me. They're even battling with the Windows 8 comfort zone, then you're going to throw another whole different quote-unquote OS at the consumers? Yeah. Not going to work. And at that price point, they may not need to. I mean, if they just get that group using it, who's going to love it? It's just something else they have in their repertoire of, of cool stuff for people to access the internet through. And the more people are doing that, whether it's through Android or Chrome or just Internet Explorer even... You know, they like that because you're using the Internet. Yeah, they haven't said anything about the price. If it right. What What do you think for four or five? If their low ends are 150 to 250, you throw in a bigger HD screen and metal. Well, their I mean, what's their low that? end is 250 now, right? So, so 450? Yeah, I would assume at least five. Yeah. Might be pushing it. Yeah, it's too expensive. Get a, then you get a laptop. It's got yeah, to compete. I mean, fifty dollars more than a tablet because you get and because you get the keyboard, but that would be kind of the way I. I think that price point has to be under four hundred dollars. But there is something to be said for not having to f with Microsoft and Windows and updates and all that crap, and just having Google take care of your Chrome browser for you. Like that is, I think that's nice. So who knows? And that's what they're selling. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Those people that want what you just said, their choice isn't whether to get a laptop or this guy. It's whether to get this guy or a tablet. Uh, a person like me and you guys, our choice is this guy versus a laptop for the kind of stuff we need to do. Right. Yeah. All right. We're uh, not just media consumption. I mean, or multimedia consumption. Yeah. And a little bit of minor production if you live in the right ecosystem, being the Google. So uh, we got a little bit of time. Ant, you want to tell us about the uh, Mike Sweeney piece you wrote for the smartphone photographers that we mentioned at the top of the show? Oh, man. Yeah, I had a lot of fun with that. A couple weeks ago in one of our hangouts, Mike Sweeney joined us. And when I say one of our hangouts, I mean the smartphone photographers hangout, um, the Google Plus community that we host. And Mike Sweeney, is he's a pro. And he takes, I mean, he's got a history just using standard point and shoot and DSLRs, but now he's really leaning more towards using his iPhone 4S for his photography work. But not only that, 
he's a he's about like a MacGyver. He's like a maker, right? He's yeah, got a little it, like that yeah. that arm that was attached to the car on the outside yeah. that was holding his phone at this angle. I would have been so scared if I would have made something it's, like that. That it's just gonna it fall insane. off doing like eighty down the road and just crash you know it's it's insane some of the stuff he shared yeah, in that, that particular cool. hangout you know he he understands all of the fundamentals and, and the concepts with photography as far as having the right lights and backgrounds and light boxes and he he ends up just making a lot of this makeshift stuff on his own even though he has equipment for it um but he was taking one of the shots i featured in the piece was a shot of his cul-de-sac at his in his neighborhood, and he mounted his iPhone to a rigging up to his driver's side window. Okay, so this thing was just sort of dangling off of the side of the window there, strapped on, and he took his earbuds, his iPhone earbuds, ran them through the window and into his hand, so he has the earbuds in his hands like that. And he moved the car a little bit and he's snapping shots as he's driving with the earbuds because the volume control on the earbuds controls the shutter on the camera. And he was able to just get these sick motion shots <laughs> from that right there. And he had an olive clip and other stuff. But it's just that right there is just a, a tip of the iceberg of some of the things we've seen in that community on Google Plus, and it's it's amazing, man. You got to get in there and look. And we got people from you, even some folks over in Britain and in Sweden taking pictures. It's it's really nice stuff to see. Good deal worldwide. And yeah, that that thing that's the one that really caught my eye because I was like, that's an odd angle. And like, is that moving or is that blur after? And then you see the next picture. It's like this contraption just mounted to yeah. the side of the, the car. That's really cool. Yeah. If you go over to a new domain.net and look at the article there, you'll see all of the pictures there. I'll, I'll link to it when I write the show notes and you, you, you really should check that out. <clears throat> Excuse me. You really should check that out. Cause he's, like I said, he's done some crazy stuff just, just with this iPhone. He took a picture of the moon with his iPhone um, but what he did with this particular shot, if we, if you can get, if you get the chance to look at the hangout, he has a telescope, not a real expensive telescope, but he mounts the iPhone to the, to the viewfinder on the telescope, gets it all focused up and everything. And he snaps this one, <laughs> this wonderful picture, you know, using the telescope's zoom and not trying to use the iPhone zoom on it. I mean, and he gets just great details. And that right there, that shot there, if you're watching it live, just he calls that double shot. <laughs> you know. Here's the, here's the one the I was talking about with the, the car shot, and then here's the, the contraption. Like, isn't that – that's just awesome. I don't know. And you see a lot of this stuff in the uh, astronomy circles, and when they do hangouts, they're getting a lot of people – that are really good at putting this stuff together and then teaching other people like, hey, if you have a webcam and a telescope, here's how you can pipe your broadcast in. So the more telescopes that have these hooked up, the better chances we have of catching a clear night, you know, uh, anywhere, any single place in the in the world. It's pretty neat. But yeah, we're seeing a lot of that here with your, your smartphone photographer community also. Uh, that is awesome. So, Mike Sweeney. Check out the piece over on... And, of on. course, that bottom picture is mine. <laughs> and that was our doc. Fantastic. All right. Well, <laughs> very professional. Classy. Uh, was there anything else anyone wanted to mention before we wrap this up? Did you want to mention the 12-year-old uh, Pakistani girl that did the, the MOOC uh, talk over in Davos, Larry? Yeah. The um, Actually, not just her. All the, the major MOOC players... And university presidents were at Davos, and they were all making very hyperbolic statements like, hey, MOOCs are going to totally change the world. Uh, one university president said he thinks there'll only be 10 universities left when it's all over. You know, really strong predictions for MOOCs. And the sort of they had a, a, a panel, and like Bill Gates was on the panel, and uh, Tom Friedman from the New York Times, a, a really high, high-end panel. And the kind of the coolest panelist, though, was a little uh, 12-year-old girl from Pakistan. And she had taken, when she was 11, she took the uh, that big Stanford AI move. And she's taken a couple of uh, 
other moves since. And, and she does really, you know, she gets 100%, does real well on them. And she's a really cute, articulate little girl. So they use her as kind of, uh, you know. She's the, the control? She's not the control. She's the, <laughs> the hype. She's the, <laughs> the mook hype man. She's obviously not, you know, you, you get. She's the buzz. Yeah, she's the buzz. You know, you get the idea, and I'm not saying it's not true. I mean, there, you know, there will be poor people in villages in rural India that never could have gone to university. They're going to get discovered and uh, get some education this way. But this little girl, you can tell, is from a middle-class family. Uh, she's not a, a little peasant girl. But anyhow, she's smart, and she's cute. And uh, so she was on the panel with guys like Bill Gates and... Uh, you, know, you kept saying no, mook. Hmm? Well, you kept saying mook. What exactly is a mook for those that don't oh that goodness. don't know? It's a massive open online class. And um, have you? Well, okay. Yeah. We well, we've covered it. these and on the show. Watching this hasn't. Yeah, yeah, we've talked about it, but yeah. I just wanted to make sure we covered the folks that did. Yeah, know. no, it's a it's a real trend that's kind of sweeping through higher education, uh, yet unproven. But uh, it's it started. People started doing these massive open online classes uh, maybe eight ten years ago, where you teach a typically teach a course, but then invite anybody around the net to kind of follow along and take the course. And they existed and they were kind of um, happening. And it really hit the big time about two years ago when Stanford offered an intro to AI course, and one hundred sixty thousand people signed up for it. Wow. And, and uh, many fewer than that have finished it, by the way. You always hear these things, oh, 120,000, but you know, 10,000 finished. But still, that's that's a lot of people. That, so that's 10,000 10, people educated in um, yeah. you know, IA. Yeah, now there's some questions as to, okay, there's, there are many, many open questions, but put it this way, it looks promising enough that a, a number like uh, MIT, and a couple spin-offs from Stanford, Indian Institute of Technology, uh, Open University in London. There are a lot of capital and investment is pouring into that field right now. Um, and we'll know in two or three years whether it's totally disruptive or whether it turned out to be a flash in the pan and disappeared. I think it's gonna it's not gonna you know, some things don't lend themselves to the format. And it's really hard to do uh, Assignment grading and assignment feedback to have that scale up. Presentation scales. And uh, I think you can find ways to make spontaneity scale. Uh, but doing um, feedback on assignments is hard to scale. Um, and so, I think and as... Now, but, but people are starting. Like San Jose State is offering credit this semester, or maybe it'll be next in the fall. Uh, for people that complete uh, Coursera, that's one of the companies that spun out of Stanford. That people, you know, it's starting to you're starting to see universities dabble with giving credit for these kind of things, essentially outsourcing some of their courses. Well, it's it's kind of a good way to get extra life out of courses that die at the end of every school year and then have to get retaught. Like you're getting that same material out to all these other people that maybe would have never, yeah. like Mike said, would have Except, never had you know, access to the it. material. Like I've been, I'm a pure online material person now, but it changes. It's not, um, current events happen, changes happen. You get new ideas, how to test something. So it's, it, it, you can't just say, okay, yeah, you record it once. Well, you're not later. regurgitating the same the same lectures over and over, and obviously it's easier to add new content as it comes rather than having to reprint all of your textbooks. You can just, here's an addendum, yeah. here's an update here yeah. and there. But, I mean, for like, I don't know, like things like Einstein lectures, those are still cool to listen to for people that have never been exposed to that kind of physics before. And it's, I mean, things have changed since then, but the core concepts are still there. So you can record something once and replay it, you know, throughout the decades for new ears to keep hearing. And you're getting extra life out of it that way because it's not just, you know, going away with that one class you taught that one day. Yeah, but it's not like, you, yeah, I, I don't want to not argue with you, but you, um, it's not 100% cannibal, far from 100% cannibal. That being said, if you've got 10,000 students, you can afford a, you, you can afford a full-time teacher and a production crew. You know, you can put some resources into it. It doesn't have to be canned. Um, I think if, if 
for the kinds of, and for some courses it makes sense, others it doesn't. In courses where it does make sense, you know, like a lab uh, physics, uh, an engineering lab class would be, uh, wouldn't lend itself to that format because you got to have hands on in a lab. Um, maybe an English literature class where people are writing essays and interpreting, you know, that's a hard kind of a, a thing. But, uh, but for many courses, maybe it works. And if you can get 10,000, I just keep using that number, but even if you get, you know, 2,000 students, you can, you can put some resources into re, you know, keeping the videos current and keeping the lessons current. Plus you have to have, um, you know, online office hours and, and, Another thing that people try to do scale up, you have to have peer teaching. You have to have students forming and, and working together in groups because you can't have one, everything can't go through one person at that scale. So there's a lot to be worked out, but uh, yeah, it's, it's a happening thing. A lot of people are, are doing it. Well, that's cool. And I mean, as the technology develops, it'll get better and better. I mean, like we were talking about with that hologram stuff, like how how creepy or cool would it be to actually see the professor right there in your room, like giving you the lecture or, or whatever, like technology like that for fully immersive rooms where you can bring the class to, you know, I, I don't know. Yeah, creepy. Only Thank if you. my professor's a fox. Right? <laughs> that may be a different class. Why does <laughs> Ant keep taking the man sex with his ed? hand in his pants. <laughs> <laughs> One track mind. I have One like 30 billion mind. credits in sex ed right now. I just have to keep taking the class over and over again. All right, uh, that's it. Yet another tech show.com. That's our site. Check it out. Uh, Chris, tell everybody where they can find that BlackBerry review again? Uh, it is on anewdomain.net. Uh, just look for BlackBerry today. It's episode 21. Are we doing all our plugs right now? What do sure, you do it. Do them all right now. Do, do, do it easily. I'm, uh, at I do notes on absolutely everything. Uh, and a teaser plug for everybody, Spike Studio, which is the studio I run my shows. We have a new show coming for the, uh, the young geek and everybody, including the families. Um, I have a Lego uh, master builder, and we're going to do a Lego show. That oh, is awesome. Man. Fun stuff. He I is actually, on his new book, uh, uh, City Brick, is out. So we're going to be doing a show. I've known Warren for years. Uh, he's based in the UK. Yes. And Dude, that's hot. I said City Brick. It's Brick City. So Brick City is uh, out for pre-order, but we're going to do a Lego show. Uh, otherwise, I do notes on everything. And Oh, this is for Ant. If I, if I don't say this, I've been getting pings nonstop. I'm going <laughs> to say this now because this has to do with the Smart Photographer's Hangout. Something okay. I missed about the cameras with the new BlackBerry. I've gotten like 40 pings waiting here saying, say it, say it, is the time shift feature I didn't cover where if you take pictures. Oh, yeah, that's right. And you can me, go you back. Like this. It takes three or four pictures together. And while I'm on it, I select Mike's face and I just scroll with my finger in a wheel and it'll show me all Mike's faces it took and I can pick the best one and it shifts it into the picture. So if you blinked or didn't smile, I can actually just shift you back to a frame or shift you ahead of frame. And pick the good one, and it saves it as that picture. That's I cool. remember them taking a picture of um, Thor- Thorsten Hines. How yeah, you say Thorsten his name? was like blinking and winking yeah. to me on purpose. But so, yeah, I do notes <laughs> on everything. But we have a Lego you, show. Huh? Can you what? put, like, my head on Tom Cruise's body? No, this is time shift, not basically <laughs> Photoshop. This isn't magic, <laughs> miracles, right. or Photoshop, Mike. Come on. So I'll finish it. Okay. Okay. I'll finish it. I do notes on everything. Uh, Blackberry Day, tw- episode 21 on newdomain.net, and we have a Lego show coming from under Spike Studio in the next uh, couple weeks. Good deal. And? Well, you can find me on the newdomain.net as well. Um, just look for Ant Pruitt. I have uh, quite a few articles over there here recently. Uh, also... Um, Dell Tech Page One. I have no life on Twitter as Sean Deere in my lower third. Or just search for Ant Pruitt there in our Google Plus. <laughs> on Facebook. All right, Larry Press. Search for the guy. All right. <laughs> Larry's got a blog we'll just post on the show notes at yet another tech show.com. I got, awesome. I got four blogs, man. Uh, I love four blogs. I don't have as many blogs as Chris has podcast whenever i do a new post i just start a new blog i, I don't even bother yeah, that's right. all right and mike <laughs> I should do uh, that. this week i have a little piece on uh mozilla's uh thunderbird a a neat little I use it. Um, communications program uh if you want to go the desktop app route uh well worth looking at you can check out the piece on dell's tech page one you also find me on 
uh, groovypost.com. And I'm Mike Rothman on Google+, and that works for me on the Twitterverse. Good deal. I used to live in Thunderbird, man. Thunderbird and Sea Monkey were like my two favorite things to use for the yeah, internet. It's a great program. I, yeah. I still do, but haven't they they've stopped development on it, have they not? Uh, the, yeah, the development has shifted around a bit and it's the you know, the application's a little stale because basically the the uh, uh, the movement is in another direction, but uh, it's it still has a lot to offer. He'll have to just read the article and find out. Yeah. Hey, Mike, for what it's worth, your audio just clicked in and clicked out there. You got some kind of loose connection. It's so Google Hangouts. That is really good for Trust me, it's Google Hangouts, and that's why we're ending the show right now. Subscribe in iTunes. Thanks for listening, guys. Leave a message, 406-204-4687, if you want. And we'll talk to you next Wednesday. See you tomorrow night for the Smartphone Photography Hangout. Bye. Thanks, everyone. Good night, all. Tech Show. Check us out online at yetanothertechshow.com.